are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by the global nonprofit organization Win Women in Innovation. Each episode features inspiring innovators from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and Fortune 500 companies who share their innovation secrets and career trajectories every Monday. As for me, I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, global product lead at Win by Night and product manager by day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Win Win Podcast. And it is the last one of January, meaning this year is already flying by. Last week, we did not release an episode as we are gearing up for a very plentiful few months of guests and episode that I hope you're really excited for. And I hope you're excited for what is in store today, which is a conversation about leadership, which feels very fitting after hearing from Nitu Rajpal, Oscar Health CTO on our last episode. So definitely check that one out if you have not. Today, we hear from a really amazing leader, and that is Kara Shortsleeve, who is CEO at the Leadership Consortium. The Leadership Consortium helps all different kinds of organizations to create conditions for all leaders to be able to accelerate and thrive. They do leadership development through cohorts combined with one-on-one coaching and other aspects of their secret sauce, which we all dive into today. It's a really fascinating time to have this conversation, especially as just this weekend I was reading about Google and other tech companies grappling with what the future of perks looks like when there are no large-scale cafeterias or gyms that can be used at the offices, which are all things that employees really used to be drawn by. Ultimately, I think we are all learning that the real perk is happiness at our workplace, which is directly tied to our development and other incentives that ensure that we wake up energized for our roles and we feel ready to innovate. In fact, some of the innovation leaders that I've heard from recently talk about how their role is actually really rooted in motivating others to create that innovation environment. We also touch on the role of the MBA and grad school in leadership development, and I think Kara has a really cool take on it as both a Harvard MBA grad and someone who's leading a continuous development company. I hope that you learn from this episode as you consider what leadership means to you. Hi, Kara. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat, and today's conversation is going to be a lot of fun. I think there are such interesting synergies in your career, as well as the industry that you're a part of. Um, And so I guess looking back, I know you spent three years at Morgan Stanley and then went to get your MBA and pivoted into New Balance as a product manager, and then spent almost 11 years at Google. So I'd love to just actually talk about your business school experience, because I think the subject of education education and learning is is always changing. So I guess I'm curious to know what was the role of business school in your trajectory and how did you ultimately use it to end up going with running an apparel business from investment banking? Yeah, it's, it's can't you see the clear line? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, I loved my time uh, getting my MBA. You, you are correct. I had done three years in finance and for me, I had an undergraduate degree in English and art history, so I did not have much formal business training. Right. Uh, So in some ways, investment banking was my sort of introduction to business. But in in many other ways, there was many aspects of business that, you know, finance is one part of business and not all of it. And so Mm -hmm. 
I knew I enjoyed business very much. I took the opportunity to have an MBA really as the opportunity to what I considered sort of finish my formal education. And I really thought about it as a time to get expansive in my thinking. So understand many different industries, many different types of careers. And so I went in a bit as a sponge in terms of the coursework, of course, but really the access to all these different peers who had done a lot of really different things and took it as an opportunity to think about, hey, with, with the future sort of future wide open, what are the different ways uh, that I might enjoy spending my time given, given how much we all work? So that, that is why I pursued my MBA. You are right that it is a nonlinear path from finance <laughs> to selling running shoes. Um, and so for me, the, the way I got into that path after business school was I spent a lot of time just thinking about what brought me joy. And as a human, I very much enjoy sports and the outdoors and recreation and all those things. And so it was my first attempt at trying to figure out, could I mix my vocation and avocation? And so that is, that is how I went to sporting goods um, from school. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. And I feel like so many of my friends, the ones that have really enjoyed getting their you know, MBA are the ones who really did use it as an opportunity to slow down instead of speeding up. Of course, in so many other ways, you're focusing on your career, getting the next thing. But even in my own grad school experience, my biggest regrets are, are not slowing down and just continuously looking towards the next thing. So I think that makes a lot of sense. The other part of business school that's super important to call out is that it can be such a major part of developing yourself as a leader, as you mentioned, a business person, and of course, as a team player. So was leadership taught as a class or do you think, you know, you thinking about leadership, leadership development, being a thought leader, were those all byproducts? So it's interesting. I mean, in terms of the discipline itself, the MBA, there are I think the idea is they cover all aspects of leadership. So there are um, what you might call hard skills around how do you have the financial acumen, the marketing acumen, mm -hmm. all the things that might make you a compelling leader to your team because you can set a good strategy. But obviously the, the really interesting fun parts that I enjoyed most and which I am doing now in this phase of my career was thinking through leadership sort of with a capital L. So how do you engender followership? How do you ensure teams are well positioned for success? How do you really build culture and belonging? So all of those things that enable businesses to really do, do what they do well is all of that is sort of like the grand sum of, I think, leadership with a capital L. To your direct question, of course, they did cover a lot of that in the curriculum um, when I was in business school. But what I will tell you is that was an amazing foundation and you know, it's hard, it's hard to really know what it is all about until you are sitting in the seats, making the hard decisions, doing the jobs. And so I will say my education, sort of in leadership with a capital L, has certainly been an ongoing uh, adventure and one that I think about sort of every day. And that I take, my MBA was, of course, part of my training there, but I think every day job I have is, is another great part of that education. It, it almost raises questions about when is the right time to do an MBA or when is the right time to pursue development of your leadership skills, right? And, and in between the lines, thinking with that is, 
always and there's a time and a place for everything because again like I said for me grad school was such a big uh, experience in, in getting those leadership foundations but I'm almost hungry for more I'm I'm hungry for like okay I did grad school I've been in my job you know for a while now and now I'm ready to figure out like how do I continue getting those leadership skills and the answer is my assumption is not just going back to school again. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting what I do now. So I don't I don't want to fork the storyline, but spoiler alert, what I do now. No. So I, after sporting goods, I worked for about a dozen years in technology and then left that to start a business around leadership development for mm-hmm. senior leaders. And so to that, to follow that thread, what I see very much now in the work we do with leaders is there is something to be said for, you know, teaching the skill you know, in a academic setting. And it's really helpful to have access to that. But what is really fabulous is once you're sitting in that uh, sort of you, you are, you now have organizations that you're running, you have large goals, you have challenging market dynamic. Once you're in the mix, that's when leaders so desperately want to revisit and return to that learning moment and say, oh my gosh, now is when I could really use all of that help. And so to your point, I think, you know, your grad school experience and mine, both amazing and also how beneficial to be doing it now, you know, so many years later when we're both, you know, when you're sitting in a really complicated job. For sure. And there's different stages of leadership in, in different ways. Like, for example, in my current role, I'm an individual contributor. And then mm-hmm. there have been moments where I've been a manager. And I've had to use a completely different set of, of leadership skills, ones that were about, you know, me contributing my my role and my job, as well as leading and influencing other people to to complete theirs. So no, you didn't uh, put a fork in the storyline. That <laughs> That is right on the park. So as you mentioned, in between... HBS, and then working with Francis and Anne, you did have a 10-year, I don't even want to call it a stint, a 10-year career (laughs) at Google, uh, where you were really on the business side. You were deeply intertwined in the advertising and sales business of Google, which for those that don't know, is really how Google makes its money. So what really attracted you to go into sales and, and really sustain a career in sales? So let me start by saying I'm, I'm incredibly mission-driven and values-driven. And so I need to care deeply about whatever work I am doing. And so when I was originally considering Google, I was a big believer in technology as a force for good. So I joined Google in 2007, which was quite a while ago in the world of technology. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I was still, there were still a lot of open frontiers in terms of the value of democratizing access to information. And a lot of Google's, um, like the really important parts of Google's mission around equality and inclusion and getting, I mean, really fair, fair access to so many things. So for me, I was, I was hugely inspired by it. What then, you know, that's, you know, why you go is different than why you stay. So why I stayed is I was working on really interesting problems, what I consider really important problems. Um, and I had the joy of doing it with really interesting and curious and intelligent people. And so the operating environment felt really invigorating and the sort of quality of the problems we were working on felt really invigorating. That is why I stayed. And um, as you said, I was in, I sort of sat in a sales capacity. And so I had a really sort of a whole second education, so to speak, around 
you know, growth businesses, operating at scale, all the different things you learn, you know, in a, in a company that's growing as fast as Google, you know, was and of course still is. And I think a big question today is is really revolving around staying or going from a company to accelerate your growth. And I would be curious to hear about your opinion. Obviously, you were on this trajectory, you know, four plus years ago, but uh, your points of view on growing within an organization versus taking external opportunities to leave. Do you have like a thesis on that? I have a thesis. So let me first say, a lot of people ask me, like, for instance, why'd you leave Google? You seemingly from the outside, you had a great gig. It's, you know, a beloved company. Well, I will, I will profess that it is a beloved company. I think it's I a think, beloved company. Yeah, it's say. <laughs> but it's all to say, I often tell people like I left a dream job for an even dreamier job. And like, mm. that is what I would hope for anybody, you know, in your audience. Like my hope is when they're thinking about opportunities, they can have a wonderful, robust opportunity, whether that's inside or outside, you know, you know, a company. And then like my great hope is somebody is growing their skills and it's not a role you're after, it's skill development. So when I have developed this set of skills, now what is going to keep me growing and learning? What's going to make my brain bigger? How am I going to you know, keep operating and growing as a human. When I look at it, I am not, I am unafraid of lateral moves. I am unafraid of, to your point, sometimes you've been an individual contributor, sometimes you've been a manager. I think it's really important to to be comfortable pivoting in those ways. Always with the, for me, again, this is this is a personal point of view, but always with the mindset of what are the skills that I have? What skills do I yearn to develop? And how will this next role position me, you know, better or worse in terms of acquiring those skills? I am not afraid of staying within a company or jumping between companies. I think the thing to think about is what skill profile do you have and how are you being thoughtful about, you know, deepening or expanding those skills? This may come off cheesy, but it, it sounds like it goes back to your why, which is you talk about having values that are purpose-driven. It's for you about asking why and then asking why again and again and again, which is a really interesting way to navigate your trajectory. And it's also a lot about, listen, we work for more of our waking hours than we do anything else. You know, you work mm-hmm. more than you spend time with your children. You work more than you spend time with your favorite furry mammal or partner or friends or whatever it may be. And if it doesn't bring you great joy, like good, goodness gracious, what a, what a long trip around this fabulous earth it's going to be, you know? So I think that's a place of privilege to say only, you know, only do what brings you joy. But I would say like, if however you can bring more joy to the work you do, I think it's an incredibly important thing to yearn for and to be curious about. And the hope is you can, as you expand your skill sets, you know, you can more and more align the things that bring you energy with the things you, you know, spend your nine to five or nine to whatever it is job doing. And so then jumping to your nine to five or more realistically nine to whatever, um, I know we've touched on it throughout this podcast, but we'd really love to hear from you. Uh, what is the leadership consortium and what are its offerings? You bet. And sometimes sometimes in life, it's going to be a nine to whatever. And so we're, we're going to go with that. So the Leadership Consortium, at, in the most accessible terms, I would think of it as uh, leadership development. So we operate uh, with the mission to help more and varied leaders thrive. So our entire mission is around changing the look and feel of leadership, 
and ensuring a more diverse and representative and inclusive set of leaders sit around every important table. So that is our mission. The way we go after that mission is we run leadership development programs. I could tell you all sorts of things about them. What I will say is it's a beautiful mix of sort of classroom-based education. So to our point earlier in the conversation, there are concrete teachable things. And then also there's a lot of community-driven learning. So interacting with other executives and sort of pushing and growing given the um, stimulus you might have from leaders in different spaces and different sectors. And then there's also one-on-one coaching. So sort of through, through some um, skills-based training, some peer-driven learning and growth in very pointed one-on-one coaching, leaders emerge even more fabulously prepared to do the hard work of leading and empowering others. So that's what we do. We are really proud of the clients we serve. We're proud of the impact we have with the leaders who go through our programming. And I'd be delighted for anybody who's listening to reach out because I'd tack their ear off about the Leadership Consortium for far more than the bounds of this podcast. (laughs) And I guess just on the logistical nitty gritty of that, in in a cohort, and I know that I think in the fall I read something like 500 plus people, uh, you know, graduated from the cohort. So is a cohort, is it one company or is it a combination of different companies where you have the opportunity to network and meet other people? How important is it to do that, that close community versus with other people to you? So we, we operate across companies. So to come up a level, as I said, our whole mission is around inclusion and belonging and empowering really inclusive leadership. And so we are big believers that you need difference. Like you need to bring to light the difference among us. That is where the power lies. And so because of that, we are really big fans of bringing together as much difference as we can. So you are correct. We pull from different companies. Those companies span different sectors, uh, different lived experiences on the participants that come through the programming. So to your point, if there's a group of, say, 500 that are going through programming, hopefully for them, they are sort of hit every day that they engage with us with the power and the really like the true power of difference and how difference points of views can, you know, really to your whole mission around innovation. Like that is what begets innovation. So Mm -hmm. the the short answer is we bring as much difference as we can together in the program and then try to engender a really um, inclusive, productive space so that the leaders feel they can uh, sort of really be growth oriented and take risks and make bold choices together. So speaking of innovation, I I know that, you know, leadership development is such a growing and booming space. Coaching is is really, really ramping up, uh, especially product coaching and innovation-specific coaching. So I have two questions about that. And my first one is, how do you really do leadership development in an innovative way? I will tell you through our through our end count of, of one, because I, I think we are very mm-hmm. innovative in how we approach it. So let me share a little bit about what we do and then other really fun, interesting things I've seen in the industry. So the first thing I will say is accessibility and inclusion are incredibly important to us as an organization. I think it's incredibly important as a leadership skill. And I think companies that have cultures that embrace difference and and diversity of thought are going to win in the long term. So in terms of doing this in an innovative way, the first really important thing is to make it 
inclusive. So because of that, we have been we are a virtual force first um, platform, and we have always been that way. So when we launched in 2018, you know, uh, pre pre pandemic, you know, we were virtual by choice, and so I think that's an incredibly important thing. All to say, the way we keep it innovative is we are accessible virtually. We can service people around the globe. We can engender really meaningful connections. So one of the things that's really important is in this world of, you know, people having to be in a lot of remote situations, what people miss desperately is a sense of belonging. And so the other way we keep things really innovative is to figure out how do you engender belonging and community in what one might consider a non-ideal time where you can't be together. So those are all things that we do. Other really interesting things we've seen in the space. I'm a huge fan. You mentioned coaching. I'm a huge fan of making more resource available to people in times of challenge. And so we've seen really fun innovations around on-demand coaching and how to make that even more accessible at lower price points so it can be inclusive of, of a bigger audience. So there's lots of really interesting things happening there. Yeah, I think lots of different exciting innovations coming out in the space as well as as really your company and how you're thinking about it. With that, I wanted to ask the second part of my question, and that is really about innovation leadership. So um, I know you and I have spoken about this a little bit offline, but for those that don't know, we have we have leadership development training here at Win for women of uh, 12 to 15 plus years of experience called Win Relay. And the reason we put together this program is for us, it was so important to say, you know, the path to chief innovation officer is very different than a path to perhaps even CEO or a more quote unquote traditional role. So gauging all of your knowledge and your work in the innovation space, do you believe that there is a uh, leadership style that's more conducive to innovation driven leaders and, and where do leadership and innovation connect as two practices? Mm, such an interesting question. I love it. I have a few kernels of thoughts here. One around how can you be an innovative leader or how can you engender innovation within, within your teams and organizations? This is going to seem going like really back to fundamentals, but I think the two big things that stimulate innovation, um, one is curiosity. Um, and the other is inclusion. So how can you set up an environment where diversity can come, diversity of thought can come, come to bear. So on curiosity, there's been so much innovation in these past couple of years when the macro context has changed. And that is great. Many companies that were not able to innovate, it is because they were unable to be curious about the problems. You know, you, you, humans have a natural stress reaction. It's, you know, it's a proven (laughs) biological reaction to stress it is not expansive. It is reductive. You know, so when you think about a human reaction to a a stress or change or threat, it is to reduce focus, not expand. And so when you think about innovation and needing to do things differently and take risks that have never been taken and all those things, you really need curiosity. And so we talk so much with our leaders about what does it mean to be curious? How can you, how can you teach curiosity? You know, the things you knew inherently, when you were two, three, four years old, and that all of us unlearn in society, how do you get back to a place of curiosity? So that's the first piece we talk a lot about. The second is inclusion, which seems it might not be as intuitive to folks, but divert, like it doesn't matter how many diverse points of view are out there. You are not going to hear about them as a leader unless you are inclusive of that difference. So you need to find ways to celebrate difference, 
to ask for difference, to reward difference. And so all of that is based on how can I as a leader set up an inclusive fill in the blank, an inclusive system, an inclusive meeting, an inclusive culture, all the ways, how can I be inclusive of difference? Because that, that's where you get innovation. It's interesting that you call this out. I recently had the chief technology officer of Oscar Oscar Health um, come on this podcast, and she she talked about similar concepts and about asking questions. And I really love that because something that we talked about was that there's almost an underlying assumption that you can ask questions and you can ask the difficult questions and then repercussions of that, or you mentioned rewards, which I think is almost a different way of flipping that question on its head because. I I do think when we talk about inclusion and diversity, we talk about, well, what happens when we don't have it, right? But I think that the other piece of that is reward. So what are examples of rewards for curiosity innovation? Would you encourage leaders to create within uh, their organizations or within their teams? I think it's an excellent question because I do think, you know, it's the age old question of carrots and sticks and most, most, uh, psychoanalyses go to the fact that carrots are better than sticks, you know, so I think how can, you know, how can you reward for it? So there's very, so our founder at TLC, Frances Fry and her wife, Anne have these great, have a few great ways that we convey this. So the first thing we always think about is how do you truly celebrate difference? And Mm -hmm. if you think about what you do every day and how many times you go towards celebrating commonality, just just changing, flipping some of your regular processes. So we're sitting in a meeting and you say, oh, I thought we should do it this way. And I say, Zoya, I was thinking the same thing. That's great. As a leader, everybody's watching us. And so as a leader, they see me celebrating that you and I were thinking the same way. Mm -hmm. And so there's very basic things you can do to say, oh, Zoya, that's so interesting. I'm really curious who has a different point of view. I'd love to add it to the mix. And so it's not like, does anybody else have something to say? Amy Edmondson also is another great HBS professor who has a really interesting um, school of thought around framing questions and it's the, what are the right framing statements. So it's not like, does anybody have something? It's who here, who here has a different idea? And it's much more, you're really, you're not just giving permission, you are seeking, you are seeking the different point of view. So I think there's, in in how you conduct yourself as a leader, it's all about thinking, what do I celebrate and what do I reward? Mm -hmm. And so that's Mm -hmm. where like those carrots, you want to give the carrots, you want to say, oh, I love hearing that different point of view. I'd love to hear three different points of view. How do we pull them out? So that's, we think a lot about what you celebrate, just because from human behavior, that's, that's the best way to create behavior change. And I love that because that's so actionable. Ultimately, you know, I read a ton of these like nonfiction books about systems and processes, but I think something as simple as just thinking about the way that you respond and how you incentivize people without creating groupthink is just, to me, is something I will be applying like tomorrow and I hope our listeners will be too. So with that, uh, I would love to ask you one more innovation question, and that is, where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? So myself, I know exactly where I'm going to be, because one month from now, Zoya, we are launching our Spring 22 TLC Leaders Program. And so I am going to be in a delightful moment in time where I get to meet a couple hundred awesome leaders and just start a journey with them that I love and just lights me up. So I know where I'm going to be in a month. In a year, my hope as a business is we've 
hopefully touched another thousand leaders and helped them on a journey to really rethink and, and, and retool some of their leadership skills. And then in 10 years, personally, I just, I hope I've evolved so much in my own career. And I think so much more now about what, how I will have impact on a human level. So my, my goal in 10 years is that I can look and see that I have been of service. That is my goal. It's very different at, you know, the point in life I am right now than perhaps, you know, where I was 20 years ago. And I, I embrace that. And my hope is I will have been of good service. In terms of the industry, so if you think of sort of leadership development in the month and the year frame, I just think it's the gap is just going to keep getting wider between firms that are able to retain talent in this new normal and those that are just in the death spiral of churn, 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 churn. So I think that gap's going to widen over the next year. And so when I think about what happens in 10 years, that's when I think it'll be really clear at my opinion, is that leadership development, sort of the, the, the embrace of human capital as a, as a really key asset and business driver, I think you're going to see clear winners and losers, those who are able to be human, like truly human capital centric, and those that I think sadly might not, might not make <laughs> the journey. And I then have to ask you a bonus question, um, and that is really about you know your place in leadership. Uh, you are working on a business with two other women, something that that is very unique. Uh, so I guess the bonus question is, are there any takeaways or insights you're able to leave this audience with about working with an all-female leadership team and what you've learned from that? Oh, so many, so many things. It's interesting. I I started my career in finance and sporting goods and, and tech, and those are traditionally uh, more male-dominated environments. I think I have the good fortune. I feel very comfortable in many of those rooms. So I, whether it's from my background <laughs> in sports, the many brother, you know, all the things, but I felt good fortune that I could show up in those spaces, but, but I knew those spaces weren't made for me. So I felt mm. comfortable that I could, I succeeded there and I'm proud of that. And the, those organizations were amazing, but, but those spaces did not have me in mind uh, when, when they were built. So what's really neat is to think about building a company myself and being really mindful of for whom am I building? What should this space look like? How would this space be different than any other space I've walked into? So that, that has been amazing. I, you are right. I have the benefit of the both, you know, the owners of the business. It's a hundred percent female. It's, you know, women owned, gay owned, which is awesome. I feel proud on that front. And I'm like the, the fabulous human who has the reverse problem where I'm like, I kind of get some men on my management team. Right. So, I, you know, so I've, been, I've been trying to be mindful of, uh, it's nice to celebrate uh, common, common ground and similarity as a human, but I gotta, let's, let's make sure we're being mindful of the difference. So it's been an amazing journey. I feel really grateful that I have, that I have the opportunity I do to create a culture ground up. Super, super fascinating. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Win-Win Podcast. It's been such a pleasure, and we'll make sure to leave all of your information and TLC's information so we hopefully get some win applicants to your spring cohort. I would love that, and I'm so, I'm so pleased to be able to join you. I love what you're doing, so thank you for speaking with me. I do really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Win-Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. 
If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womeninnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.